0: Hey, everybody. Did you know that we're on Instagram? Follow us at The Refill Podcast. Also, please like, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment so that this ministry can grow and impact more people for the kingdom. All right. Cue the music. right thanks for coming back to get your refill now there are several biblical stories that pretty much everybody knows even if they didn't grow up in church or anything like that you know they know that jesus died on the cross they know that that david slew goliath that jonah was swallowed by the fish that daniel was thrown into the lion's den and they all kind of know this the exodus story moses parting the red seas all that Now, in this series, we've been exploring uncomfortable topics of the Bible and trying to tackle them head on. And today we're going to talk about that Exodus story. And you might be wondering, well, how do those two line up? You know, the Exodus story seems pretty straightforward. Well, not too long ago, when I was working through Exodus on my own, I noticed that the Bible says some things that normally I just breezed over. And I thought it'd be really interesting to explore. In some verses, it says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And in other verses, it says that Pharaoh has a hard heart. And then in other verses, it says that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Now, I think think when we we think about it, it can really be uncomfortable because, you know, number one, it, it just seems somewhat unnecessary. You know, if Pharaoh hardens his own heart, why would God need to harden it even more? Or if God hardens Pharaoh's heart, why would it matter if Pharaoh then did it to himself? Either way, it seems kind of unnecessary to do the other. Number two, it, it seems like maybe God's unfair. You know, God hardens Pharaoh's heart, and then he punishes him for having a hard heart. Number three, it it, just, it can seem unjust. You know, if God had the power to harden Pharaoh's heart, wouldn't that mean he could have also softened it as well? So why wouldn't he? You know, wouldn't a loving and just God not want to send plagues and sickness and pain and suffering and death to an entire nation? And it also seems kind of evil. You know, think about it. If God hardened Pharaoh's heart, then wouldn't it be actually God who's the one responsible for the death of hundreds, if not thousands of little Egyptian boys? You know, if God is just this puppeteer that's pulling the strings, Pharaoh couldn't have relented even if he wanted to. So wouldn't that make Yahweh the author of genocide? All of these are really uncomfortable. But to work through that, let's first go back and let's just take an honest look at who Pharaoh was. Now, if we look at the Exodus story, Pharaoh doesn't have a name in the story. It's just Pharaoh. And this is easily overlooked, but it's pretty significant because Pharaoh is not a name. It's a title. It means King of Egypt. Now, some experts have suggested, you know, a couple guys who could have possibly been the Pharaoh around this time, like Ramses II, Amenhotep II, or Neferhotep, things like that. But truth be told, these are all just educated guesses. No one knows for sure because the Bible just doesn't say. It's not super clear. And this might be for a few possible reasons. Firstly, the point of the Exodus story was for Israel to be continually reminded of who God is. Remember, this, this event, the, the entire Exodus story, is the reason surrounding the Passover, you know, it's a time where people get together, they eat and they read the Torah together to remember that God brought salvation to his people. So that's the first point, And that has nothing to do with what Pharaoh's name is. And the second reason is probably that Pharaoh's name really doesn't matter. You know, if the point of the story is God, then the specifics of who Pharaoh was is, is kind of irrelevant. And as historians will tell you, it could have been a number of people. But the point of Exodus isn't to say that God was stronger than a certain Pharaoh. It's a story that shows that God is and will always be greater than any Pharaoh. The story's not about him. It's about God. And I think God wanted us to avoid getting too bogged down into which specific guy it was because we'll miss that lesson. Now, that's not to say that this is a fake story. It's, it's not. It's, it's history. It happened. Pharaoh does have a name, but it would have happened regardless of, of which Pharaoh it was, you know, who was king at the time. So why does that matter? You know what I mean? That's all I'm trying to say. And thirdly, um, maybe Pharaoh's specific name was omitted because Pharaoh's were typically pretty focused on their legacy. And by omitting his name is it, sort of God's judgment on him. You know. You know, think about that. When you hear of the Exodus story, what do you think of? You think of the parting of the Red Sea, You think of God showing his power through Moses. You don't even really think about Pharaoh. He's just a side character at best, which which would be a huge demotion for a guy that thinks he's God. So, Pharaoh has no name. But whoever this Pharaoh was, he was not a good dude. You know, Exodus starts by telling us that this king was worried about a possible war. Now now think about it, you're not worried of war breaking out unless there are genuine threats and enemies at your door. So apparently Egypt, being the superpower at the time, was aware that other people were gunning for him. And at the time, Israel was prospering, they were living out God's promise to Abraham and, and multiplying and just becoming a great nation, and Pharaoh saw Israel as a potential political threat, and so he proactively enslaved them and was ruthless towards them to control them. So we have this king afraid of losing his own throne, and so he justifies enslaving an entire people group. And this is just a terrible, evil plan. It's terrible because, I mean, wouldn't people want to fight against the nation that enslaved them? You know, you would think that Pharaoh would have blessed them and provided for them, and that, you know, maybe he could have gained an ally if if war was a coming reality. And, and it's an evil plan because Israel was enslaved and oppressed all to satiate the insecurities of this fearful king. You know, if there ever was a good reason to enslave people, which there isn't one, so I'm, I'm not saying that. There, there's never a good reason. But if there was one, to mask your own insecurities wouldn't be on the list. But what's funny is that God shows Pharaoh several times before the plagues even start that he is God. You know Exodus one twelve, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So no matter what Pharaoh did, God took care of his people. God's people thrived. And he would have seen this had he not been consumed by his own selfishness and pride. And so instead of having eyes to see, his heart rebelled against God, and he thought, well, if I can't beat them into submission, then I can at least stop them from multiplying. And Exodus one twenty two says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now, killing their sons was a way to ensure that the bloodline of, of Jews would, would cease to exist. This wasn't just population control. It was an extermination plan. Pharaoh was, was an evil, brutal, unrepentant dictator. So don't feel sorry for this guy. But again, like I said, God continually showed Pharaoh grace by again, making it clear that, hey, Yahweh's in control, not you. You know, in the midst of the murder of hundreds of thousands of Jewish babies, one of them was being raised, educated, and cared for in his own home. You know, he wanted to exterminate them, yet he found himself raising and providing for them, which it's, it's kind of ironic how the method that Pharaoh planned for Israel's demise was actually Israel's salvation and his own demise. Now, this is the Pharaoh that we're talking about. This is, this is who Moses confronts and tells to let Israel leave to worship God. And, and Exodus 5-2 really kind of brings it all to fruition. It lets us know who Pharaoh really thinks he is. Exodus 5-2, Who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. It makes you almost want to say, Dude, Yahweh is the God that is thwarting every plan you're making. He's the God showing you mercy when you deserve none. And in, in truth... Pharaoh's heart was already pretty hard. God didn't make this man evil. He was a wretch before Moses was even born. You know, scripture is clear. When God lives in people, when he lives in us, when we are citizens of his kingdom, our hearts are no longer hardened. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God turns our heart of stone into a heart that moves and breathes life. A heart that magnifies God. But we can see that Pharaoh's heart was stone cold. Now let's look at each of the plagues and just see how scripture recounts how Pharaoh reacted. The first plague that, you know, the river Nile turns to blood. Exodus 7.22 says that Pharaoh's heart remained hard. The second plague frogs over the land. Exodus 8.15 says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. You know, the, the third plague was giant swarms of gnats. Exodus 8.19 says, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Fourth plague, giant swarms of flies. Exodus 8.32 says, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Fifth plague, all of the livestock of Egypt are dying. Exodus 9.7 says, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. The sixth plague, when when they all got boils. Exodus 9.12 says, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, This is the sixth plague, and it's the first time that God actually hardens his heart. All the first five plagues was Pharaoh hardening his heart or having a hard heart, and he just continued to refuse God's grace. And I say grace because each plague was really an opportunity to relent, to repent, and acknowledge Yahweh as God. God could have annihilated Egypt on the spot, like he did with Sodom and Gomorrah, But he chose to express grace and mercy and give Pharaoh the opportunity to change. But Pharaoh refused. His heart of stone was so corrupt that he could not humble himself before God. And then there was the seventh plague, this crazy hailstorm. Exodus 9.35 says, Pharaoh's heart has hardened. The eighth plague, the swarms of locusts that ate everything, Exodus 10.20, says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The ninth plague, darkness over the land, Exodus 10, 27 says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And the 10th plague was God casting judgment on Pharaoh, threatening to do what Pharaoh was so quick to enact with the people of Israel. And Exodus 11, 10 says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. So looking at all of this, who's really to blame? Did Pharaoh have a hard heart? Yes. Before the Exodus plagues, he was a Very clearly evil man, bent on ruling Egypt according to his own evil desires. He did not know God, and in fact, he most likely thought he was God. And did Pharaoh harden his own heart? Yes. As we saw at the beginning of the plagues, Pharaoh refused to heed God's warnings and rejected his mercy and grace. Instead of accepting God's correction, he pushed back and hardened his heart even more. So then did God harden Pharaoh's heart? And the answer is yes. In chapter 4, before the plagues, God says that he will harden Pharaoh's heart so that Moses could show the world who the true king is. And I don't think this is a setup. I think it's God showing his omnipotence and sovereignty. He already knew the outcome. He was just giving away the ending. And so God, knowing the type of man that Pharaoh was, God used him for his own purpose, to show Israel that their God is able to save, that their God is higher than all. And so when he calls them into his presence and enters into a covenant with Israel, which happens later in Exodus, they're not standing there going, okay, which God is this again? In Exodus 6.1, after Pharaoh flexes his muscle and says, no, Israel stays. I am king. And Moses is left just wondering, God, where are you? God responds, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. You know, God uses the evil of Pharaoh to magnify himself, to dethrone Pharaoh in Israel and Egypt's eyes, and then liberate his chosen people so that everyone who hears this story will know who Yahweh is. And one of the best explanations I've heard regarding this whole hardening of hearts is that God allowed Pharaoh to choose to refuse God. He gave him the option to repent, to change his ways. But then after a while, just like in Romans 1.24, God gave him over to his own selfish desires. And then knowing that he was unrepentant, he then solidified his already hardened heart so that his will would be accomplished and his name would be glorified. Now, I want to leave you with this. The gospel centers around the death and resurrection of Christ. And we say all the time that God's grace is sufficient to save, that the blood of Jesus is enough to cover all our sins. But for a lot of us, that's just easier said than believed. Oftentimes we look back and hold on to our guilt and shame because we think there's no way that God could ever forgive that, that his grace actually reaches that far. There's no way God can love me. I've had an abortion or I'm gay or I'm addicted to drugs or alcohol or pornography. I physically abused someone. I'm just too far gone. If God knew who he was saving, he wouldn't save me. And to that I say, look at Pharaoh. You know, instead of giving Pharaoh what he deserved, which was wrath, destruction, and a whole lot of fire and brimstone, he instead sent messengers who proclaimed the glory of God. And when Pharaoh refused that invitation, God sent a plague, a, a tangible reminder of God's authority. And each time Pharaoh asked for mercy, God relented. And at that moment, Pharaoh had a choice, but he chose defiance. And then God repeated that process several times over. And so, if God treats Pharaoh this way, this evil, evil man, if God treats him with this much love, and compassion, and mercy, and grace. Imagine what he does with you in your situation. You know, the reality is you're not too far from God. You're actually right where he wants you. Right where you can clearly see your need for him to be king over your life. Right where you can see his love and grace that's being extended to you. Right where you can see your need to repent to give your life to him so that he can transform you and make your life all that it was meant to be. Dr. Ken Nichols says in his book, Masterpiece, the good news is that God is the divine artist who uses the dark colors of our lives as a background to highlight the light of his love and his good purposes for us. The blemishes of our life portrait are often the source of our greatest blessings. Now, I have a lot of dark on my portrait, But if it wasn't for those blemishes, I wouldn't be able to see how great God is. Those blemishes, they're reminders, not of my shame, but of God's perfect grace and love and the power of the gospel. I hope that blesses you. Have a great, great week. I'll see you next time.